The Start On Demand. On demand. Misinformation has been a huge part of the problem during the pandemic, so much so that Clark County, which is basically Las Vegas, has declared COVID-19 misinformation a public health crisis. So we speak to a law professor at the University of Alberta to find out what's the fix? Concerts, sports, events, organizers and attendees are cautious about returning to normal. What about you? Are you going out more? And we had lots of fun today talking about the phrases that get your hackles up. Ooh, them's fighting words. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, September 23rd podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Mr. Mackling, good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, Brett. How are you doing today on your uh, post-birthday? Are you... Are you- are you recovered from your celebrations last night? <laughs> there was no celebration last night. What am I going to do on a Wednesday night when I should be theoretically? I did forget to watch Survivor on Global. I can't believe oh I, my gosh. I woke up this morning, Loren, like, oh, my God, I forgot to watch Survivor. I was so excited about it yesterday morning, and then I started watching other things, and I just forgot. So I have to tell you, I was flipping around last night, um, and Survivor came on. And I sat there for like 30 seconds and thought, I should get back into this because I haven't really watched it in years. Not that I don't like it. I just, you know, busy and all sorts of things on the go with family. And and then I, what turned me off was the fly buzzing around this guy's head for like two minutes. And I don't know. I was like, nope, can't watch this tropical thing. The flies are already driving me crazy this year. This fly on TV is driving me crazy. I'm out. And that's what uh, deterred me. For, Boy, that's uh, quite the trigger, McNabb. It really was. I was like, nope, flies. Sorry. See you later. Yeah, no, I did. I didn't do anything fancy. I just went to see my sister, visited my sister and my, and my uh, my former cat because my sister now has my. I used to have two cats when I was engaged and had a house, but you know, life happened, and then I got single and uh, I had to move out and couldn't keep the cats, so my sister took the cats. So Zoe's still alive, so I went to visit Zoe, but uh, I had a bit of an allergy explosion and had to leave uh, within like thirty minutes. Uh, I was just all stuffed up and my eyes were like almost swelling shut. I, I don't know if it was, it was just a reaction to the cat or if it was one of her plants. I don't know. But uh, uh, but it was nice to see my old kitty and then I went to see my dad and, uh, and then I just went home and relaxed. So, Do you normally drug up in advance of a visit with Zoe? I already had antihistamines in my system. But yeah, I, I guess normally if I'm going to see a, somewhere who has a cat, I would take one right before I go. So maybe that was the uh, the missing link, as it were. But hmm. whatever, you know, I'll take a few sneezes to, to see my cat. Oh, you're such again. a sweet man. This yeah. is something to keep in mind. If another relationship comes around, I'm going to mm. veto anyone with a cat. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm doomed in that yeah. in that front. Every, every relationship I've had, there's always a cat. There's, and I remember in the last one, first date, 
was just waiting. The, the, the subject of pets came up, and I was like, please, no cats, please, no cats, please, no cats. <laughs> yeah, I have two cats. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh come on. You know what? I wasn't there then to just get angry about it. I'm stepping in this time. I'm going to intervene, <laughs> big sister style. I got four months on you. I'm going in. I'm going to be a hard no on the cat. Okay? Loren, don't you think at this point on all those dating apps that there should yes, be a section included. for yeah. this? I think it would uh, create a lot less anxiety and it would really cut to the chase. Like for you, Brett, there's got to be a handful of questions that are non-starters. And I think what Loren's saying is the, the cat thing should be a non-starter. Let's get it yeah. out of the way before you even meet up with anybody. And, and let's just not even see those profiles. It's a double-edged sword though because I love cats. Forget the dating app. You don't want to live with one. You know what? You could just send them through like a Greg Loran. We could sit there with clipboards and just, <laughs> just get a couple questions before you go into the restaurant. He's inside waiting, but just give us a second. And we could run through and I then like we could just thought. look through the window and give you like a thumbs down. Like, no, we're not letting her in. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. You seem nice, but the answer is no. Go home. <laughs> All right. We got to find a name for that service. <laughs> Uh, we'll vet. We'll do the vetting. Maybe yeah. that we'll do a better vetting uh, job than than some of the political parties do. Well, and you know, what if they try to slip one past the net and and say ahead of time there are no pets? You could call that misinformation. And we're going to be talking about misinformation today, starting at six thirty-seven. G Mac, you found this uh, something. I was stunned when I saw this development out of Clark County in in Nevada. Yeah, so Clark County is the home of uh, Las Vegas. So when you think about it, uh, think back over the over the COVID nineteen pandemic and some of the action, some of the things we've heard from the from the mayor of Las Vegas a couple of years ago in terms of them being willing to be a, a human Petri dish essentially and a human experiment in terms of reopening following the first wave of COVID-19 back in uh, 2020. Clark County Commission declares COVID-19 misinformation a public health crisis, let alone COVID-19, and it passed five votes to two in what is typically a fairly conservative part of the United States. So uh, not only does the declaration surprise me, where it happened might surprise me just as much, Loren. It's it's a whole full list. It, it's, it, it reads very much like a normal city document, you know, whereas, where is this, and it's signed, therefore, hereby resolved. But at the end of the day, they run through all the things about vaccines and the deaths and the economy and that misinformation. Going back to, you know, when the United States Surgeon General actually said in his first... I think it's July, he described it as an urgent threat, the false information going around there. So we're going to talk a bit about that at 637 because I think we, everyone has dealt with that. You've either read it and thought this can't be true or someone on your in your family, your friends has told you something that you're figure, trying to figure out how to debunk. You might see something on your social media thread and think, how do I figure out whether this is real or not? And then at 837, we're going to talk to a public health advisor and law professor out in Calgary. He's been speaking at a conference this week with set surgeon generals from across the country on, or sorry, surgeons from across the country on how to deal with this in the hospitals even. So it's just everywhere. And I know even personally, you know, our job is to look at things and try to find the truth. And sometimes you'll look at a website and it'll take you a few minutes before you realize it's a fake. Or the video you're watching is fake. Or the picture someone sent to you is from six years ago. And it, it's 
all around us, Brett. Yeah, it's uh, we get we and we have some some people on uh, the other side of the equation who uh, send us messages to our text line or to our Instagram account, and especially our Instagram account. Lots of links that are shared, and I look at it and uh, and I think that seems fishy. And sure enough, when I do some digging, uh, you can debunk it. But part of the problem is there's just so much information on COVID that is available. Like I, I remember when I was standing in line for my second vaccine, I was in line at the Shoppers Drug Mart for about an hour. And I just the whole time I was just researching stats and um, trying to, to decide if if I should be going in for this vaccine at this moment. And I was overwhelmed by the avalanche of information that was available just for that one thing just i was all i was researching was the second shot for astrazeneca that's it and i and i i didn't even scratch the surface hi there it's mackling mcgarry and mcnab before we talk about misinformation uh, i'm just looking at globalnews.ca and i see the top trending story uh this is quite the headline exceedingly rare mountain goat attack leaves grizzly bear dead in (gasps) bc park the goat beat the grizzly bear? Yeah, that's what they think. They, there was a grizzly bear that was found slumped near a trail in British Columbia's Yoho National Park earlier this month. And uh, uh, necropsy on the mm-hmm. carcass found wounds consistent with the size and shape of mountain goat horns with one under each of the female bear's armpits and one on the side of its neck. Apparently it's uh, super rare for the goat to come out on top of that kind of a scuffle, but... Uh, <laughs> Guess it happened. So well, maybe got the right angle of attack. Those yeah. horns on the mountain goats' heads, and uh, they're very nimble. If you've ever driven mm-hmm. through Golden BC, it's incredible. Yeah. You'll see them on you the side of the mountain. Oh, oh, yeah, by the dozens sometimes. Oh, and they're neat. like they have that they're huge animals that are resting on like the smallest of precipice. Yes. Like it, it'll be like an inch of rock, and then they just climb up. It's like they're they're Velcroed to the side (laughs) of the mountain. It's incredible. (laughs) They're really cool. Uh, Then apparently this grizzly was smaller in size and never had cubs. So maybe, you know, just different things going on there. He he met it. Met his match, so to speak, in that mountain goat. So I just wanted to point that out because that's uh, an interesting story and uh, just, uh, you know, one of those headlines that makes you stop and go, what? Um, In the meantime, the county committee, which oversees one of the largest cities in the United States, has declared an unusual, if not necessary, public health crisis. The Clark County commissioners voted in favor of declaring health misinformation a public health crisis. This is not an intent in any way to take away anybody's freedom. Y'all can come down here every single public comment for from now until eternity, and we're not going to limit your, your free speech ability here or anywhere else. Uh, but I think it's important for this board to take a stand against misinformation and continue the work that we've been doing. The motion passed five to two. Over 2.3 million people live in the metro Las Vegas area. Almost all of that is inside Clark County. And according to the declaration, over 6,600 people in Clark County have died of COVID-19 since the beginning of the pandemic. The county commission says that health misinformation has, quote, significantly undermined public health efforts. The declaration outlines a long list of concerns and reinforces some of uh, some surrounding information and truths uh, with regard to the pandemic and vaccines, Loren. 
I, I applaud them for doing this. I like the statement that's being made here. I'm curious the impact this actually has at the end of the day in terms of how they deal with members of the public that might come forward with their thoughts and feelings and what would be construed as misinformation and, and then whether it changes anything. Because part of the statement makes me think, well, you're the people who are saying this is an epidemic and that misinformation is an epidemic are already know the problem. And the people on the other side aren't listening anyway. So I'm curious what this declaration gets us, but I, I, I hope it at least ha- reignites another conversation that we've been trying to have over the last 18 months of being really careful about what you watch and read and what you spread. And I know myself personally on my social media, there's been a few times where I've looked at things that people have posted and I've gone looking and said, okay, hang on, that picture can't be true. And then I discover the source of the picture and then I repost it to them saying, just so you know, what you're sharing is actually from a protest from three years ago or was a protest over Independence Day in that country. You know, like you just go looking at different things and you're trying to inform them about what's going on. And then it's just met with another link to something else. And so... I, I would like for people to become more analytical and take a second look and not automatically hit share and not just to read the headlines. There's all sorts of things I think we could all be doing. I don't know what this gets Clark County, but I like that they've done that, if that makes sense. Well, there are lots of politicians who have come out and, and been on the fence or on the other side of the fence, if if there is such a thing with regard to their beliefs uh, surrounding the effectiveness of the vaccine or using masks and this sort of thing. And so they also, within this resolution, you know, the highlight the effectiveness and the fact that the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine has received full FDA approval. They're declaring essentially this is where we stand as an organization on some of the misinformation that's out there. They reference July 15th, the United States Surgeon General issued his first advisory describing the urgent threat, quote-unquote, posed by the rise of false information around COVID-19, one that continues to put, quote, lives at risks and prolong the pandemic. And they go on to summarize it this way. Now, therefore, it is hereby resolved that it is the sense of the Board of County Commissioners that health misinformation is declared a public health crisis and Clark County should commit to combating health misinformation and curb the spread spread of falsehoods that threaten the health and safety of our residents. So that that's really the summation of why they've done what they've done. And I'm just looking at our Instagram references earlier. We get uh, messages often uh, from those who oppose the the public health restrictions. And uh, one listener in particular, very passionate on this and sends us stuff every day. And uh, hey, I appreciate the the, uh, the interaction. But part of the problem too is the misinterpretation of data. Like for example, this post, and this is a post uh, that was on Instagram and the, the, te- the text in the post reads, who is more stupid slash fearful? The Canadian political politicos who can't understand data or are too fearful to be honest, or the Canadian population who find obedience more desirable than thinking for themselves. So the data that is being pointed to, uh, it says, yesterday Canada had four times as many COVID deaths as it did one year earlier, four times as many cases, seven times as many COVID hospitalizations, nine times as many COVID patients in ICU. Canada's vaccination rates are... Partly vaxxed, 75. Fully vaxxed, 70. Last year, 0%, 0%. So the, the implication here is that uh, the vaccinations are doing nothing, but this post mentions nothing about the fact that those who are in ICU are largely unvaccinated. So they're, they're, just, they're, they're drawing this correlation. Well, the vac- more people are vaccinated, yet COVID is still a thing. Well, Delta also wasn't a thing last year. 
So there's it, they're, the the information that is being focused. It's like they're picking and choosing mm-hmm. the information that they want to support their claim, Laura. Yeah, and so I guess the part of the problem is too. We just had a listener as soon as we started talking about this, saying this is you can't applaud this. This is 100% censorship. And in that county, they're saying you can still come here and say everything you want and whatever you want, but we're saying that we're concerned about what's what's going on here. And so it's not it's not suggesting that people can't go out and look at that stuff and read it and share it and do whatever. It's just everybody when you're looking and sharing and reading, like if you're cherry picking data to support your argument and you can go, I can go you can make a statement Brett like cats make people sadder or happier or whatever and I could go find you an article supporting all those sides, right? And that becomes the issue. If you get deep down enough in the rabbit hole, you can you can find anything to make your case. And then how Critical are you looking at that article or that data to make sure that it is the best source of information? I, I honestly think we're going to get to the point because this, this goes beyond COVID. Two years ago, I was trying to get on the show this guy in Washington who was running a course, The Art of Detecting BS, <laughs> because he was getting so upset about the idea that all the stuff was spreading on the internet. And that was pre pandemic, right? The Art of Detecting BS. Like, I, I think we might need that course. There is a saying in sports when it comes to statistics. Statistics are for losers, but on the other side of the fence, you might say numbers don't lie. And that just goes to prove that you can take numbers and statistics and have them prove whichever case you want. Mackling McGarry McNabb, something popped up on uh, Twitter yesterday, and I'm not entirely sure. Nice job. I'm not entirely sure why this came up, like why this is now being retweeted, because I see the article that they're referencing is from May, but whatever. It's interesting. The headline here is, avoid these five phrases that make you sound passive aggressive. Here's how successful people communicate. And the five phrases are, per my last email, for future reference, Bumping this to the top of your inbox just to be sure we're on the same page and going forward. Uh, What that actually means, for example, is don't ever do that again. But there are other ways. There are nicer ways that you can say these things. Like, for example, I'm just pulling up the the potential rebuttals here. Um, It is okay. Instead of saying, per my last email, you could say, I'm following up on... The below, or for future reference, say, in case it's helpful, and so on. So there are just nicer ways of saying things. But we want to talk now about the phrases that get your hackles up. And Greg, I see, do we have a musical representation? Frankie said it best. Now, I know Frankie Goes to Hollywood weren't trying to defuse a situation, but uh, the word relax is the best way to get me to do the exact opposite. And there are several synonyms uh, that I've written down here, Brett, uh, of relax or to relax, which have the same effect on my blood pressure. Chill. Chill out. (laughs) Mellow, typically with a man or dude adjacent to mellow or mellow out. Not going to do what you're hoping it will. And um, yeah, now it's a confrontation. Who says mellow to you? Mm -mm, Just don't do it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was looking up. Mellow out, man. I was looking up the different synonyms, and I was like, oh, yeah, mellow. That would have me doing exactly the same thing. Relax as me doing. I oh, I remember getting into something with uh, someone at a Taco Del Mar about five years ago, <laughs> trying to get my order exactly correct, and the person helping me said, okay, relax. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, you can just stop making that now because I'm leaving before this escalates. That's like Kid Rock throwing down in a Waffle House. <laughs> he did this? <laughs> That's true, yes. He, right. he like It was like an amazing kick from like a table. Oh, good Lord. Loren, is that an instant fight? Uh, like, how do you react if, if your hubby says, just relax? No, it's not that. It's But it's on the same vein. You know, you're talking to them about an issue or a concern, and then you get a, don't worry about it. You're like, but I am worried about it. It's why we just spent the last 15 minutes talking about it. And you telling me not to worry about it doesn't end the worry because I'm still worried. So now I'm annoyed and I'm worried and I have no solution to my worry. Uh, He's in the next room right now and I'm being extra loud to make this point. Uh, Jeff Braun, what about you? He, he's going to swing the door open and say, relax. <laughs> uh, for me, it's a, it's a old jokes that go on far too long like if people are still saying shut the front door like that's oh. supposed to be funny at this point anything that carries on too long you know starts working against itself and the laughter turns to anger i swear i've still hear some people say uh he's so money like that's from no. swingers in 1996 <laughs> people think it's oh that's a clever or funny thing to say it just that sort of stuff just drives me nuts if you once your joke is like three months old Move on to something else. Police. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, and shut the front door was never funny. I hate that one yeah. so much. Um, I, I do. I will admit, though, like sometimes I'll say, oh, that was money, but not because I'm trying to be funny. It's just like if I'm on the golf course and my buddy hits a great shot, it might, it might just come out. It's not like I'm trying to be uh, Say hilarious. it if you drop a nickel or something, you know. <laughs> uh, Cam. Uh, well, mine is with respect to... And whenever somebody is saying with respect to, they're coming at you. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I was in uh, working in a, in a small town, and there was a mayor there, and he was grilling a, a, a politician that he didn't agree with. And he and I and I swear, like I was counting in like each sentence he said with respect to about three or four times, and it was over a 15 minute <laughs> conversation. He said with respect to. He was probably clocking about a hundred uh, by the end of it, and he was clearly going after him. And if somebody ever says like, you know, well, well with respect to that, like now they're 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 coming at you. So I that that one always, ever since that moment that I heard it, it it it's an, it annoys me. One of the ones that drives me up the wall is it, and it, it doesn't have to necessarily be this wording, but it can be something along the lines of, "Yeah, well, that's your perspective." Like if I'm if I'm if I'm presenting a concern, "Yeah, well, that's your perspective." Well, yeah, it's my perspective, and it's your it's your job as a person who claims to have empathy. To see my perspective. Right. <laughs> right? That's why we're in a room. That's why we're probably having a discussion of some sort in some forum or another, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group of people. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good one. Um, <laughs> and uh, we all, like I said earlier, we had a listener saying, yes, I know. I'll just pull up the exact message here while I'm doing that. Uh, Producer Sky, what about you? Well, with respect to that, <laughs> I have a problem with like an entire category of things. It's, uh, I don't know if you know what RAS syndrome is. It's redundant acronym syndrome. So when somebody says, like, I'm stopping by the ATM machine, I'm going to pop in my PIN number, you have just repeated yourself several times. Mm. This is redundant. <laughs> 
and it bugs me. Like the NDP party. Just stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. KFC chicken, get out. <laughs> PDF format. No! <laughs> wow, there is a longer list than I had imagined, Sky. Well LCD done. LCD display. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> You've wasted time. Do you have any more? Um... Yeah, I'm enjoying your rage. So, yeah, me too. Well, and I'm also big. Go ahead, Sky. The sorry. name of the thing is one as well, which is great. Like redundant acronym syndrome syndrome. Oh. RAS syndrome. So. RAS syndrome. It's a thing. That's perfect. Pack committee. Okay, that's it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Dennis uh, texted us to say the worst phrase that I always hear is, yes, I know. When you tell someone something that they don't, mm. just blows me away. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, how about yeah, yeah? Like how many yas is yes and how many yas is no? Like yeah could be yes. Yeah, yeah is typically mm, no, and then yeah, yeah, yeah is like don't bug me with that any longer. Like, we, like <laughs> it's, it's basically be quiet. Like yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like uh, I'm not a racist, but <laughs> be prepared for the most racist thing <laughs> you've ever heard. It's like, oh, it's like that's Simon good. There's Cowell. a lot of people texting in on Sky's front. Sin number MLB baseball. Like, yes. What do you think the B stands for? God. It really is a problem. I'm also making a list. Am I the only one making a list? I'm aiming to use these phrases at least once today in NBA basketball. <laughs> well, you're, I mean, you're watching. You CFL you, football. If you say, you say well, you're watching basketball, you could, well, what kind of basketball? You're watching NCAA? You're watching the NBA? Okay. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, I also yeah, hate yeah. cheers. What's that, Loren? Cheers. When you people sign an end of the email, like, usually it comes in an email that's not too kind. Like, I need you to do this, this, and this. Cheers. Oh. Like, <laughs> what? All right. Just slap me in the face with an email and then tell me to have a great day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, you are listening to The Start. And, uh, Loren, it is what it is. Boy, does that phrase set a lot of our listeners off. We were chatting in our having coffee talking statement about the phrases that you can't stand. And I think that one is winning the day so far, just in terms of the number of people who can't stand it when someone says, say, it is what it is. Can we agree? I don't feel like I've heard that a ton, but I, I can get how that would rankle. Well, uh, uh, can we agree going forward that we won't use that phrase? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know that I, I can't think of a context where I would ever want to say it. It's one of those things that I would that would actually make me feel a little vomitous just having said it. You know what I mean? Like I can't believe I just blurred that that just came out of my face. You know. But uh, you also, Greg, uh, you enjoyed what uh, Lo Loren, not our Loren, but uh, Loren had to say. Yep, huh? I hate the pro the reply. No problem. I go through the drive through. I buy coffee. I say thank you. They say no problem. I'm on the phone and making an appointment at the dentist or doctor. I say, thank you. They say, no problem. I'm in the store buying some <laughs> shoes and clothing. I'm at the cash out. I say, thank you. They say, no problem. Every time I get that response to thank you, it makes me feel like you took up their time and you were such a problem. <laughs> it's conveying the exact opposite. So uh, thank you, Lorraine. I, uh, I agree with you uh, 100% on that one. Uh, can you not just say you're welcome or thank you back? Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with old man yells at cloud. On that one, GMAC. Really? They, they don't mean, they, it's, they, it's just a casual way of, it's, it's, a, it's a common greeting. I, there's I, no malice behind it. I know there's no malice. It's just uh, the casual way in which it's used 
it just to me, and I so I'm the old man yelling at the cloud. It infers <laughs> to me that they're not appreciating me as much as I want to be appreciated. Gosh darn it. What do you want? A medal? Come on, guys. No. Take it easy. Like, can it just be like, no problem can also mean thank you. I think they're synonymous in some contexts. Mm. No problem. Thanks for coming. It's my job to give you this as well. It's also my job to give you stuff. So that could be the where they're coming at, you know, like. You say thanks. They might be thinking, no thanks needed. It's my job. Keep your text coming at 204-780-6868. The phrases, the words that get your hackles up. We'll give away San Lucia pizza just after 9.15 on the winning text. Right now, I got to say, um, it was really nice seeing pics on social media a couple of nights ago of people going to a concert at Canada Life Place. Large indoor concerts are heating up in popularity once again. And yeah, <laughs> Jets game Sunday night, starting to get excited. This after a, a summer full of outdoor events, which attracted thousands of Manitobans over the over the summer, Loren. Yeah, but we're curious this morning how people are feeling going forward about getting to these events, if there's any apprehension. And not just because of COVID, but... You know, if you book something now, will that concert actually happen or will it go through? And there's all this uncertainty, right? And so Global's Merrick to Catch went out to talk to both the organizers of events and the people going to them to see how they're feeling about taking this step towards normal. And before we hit Merrick's report, I, I know I, I just want to acknowledge, I know that I botched the name Canada Life Centre. I'm still getting used to that. So. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even know. I know I've said Canada Life Place at least five times in the last three months. No problem. All right, here's Merrick. Full stadiums, theaters, and arenas are becoming routine across the country. That includes here in Winnipeg at the Canada Life Centre, where a 90s throwback concert was held on Wednesday night. We're seeing swift uh, concert ticket sales for Eric Church. People are excited to get back to Canada Life Centre and enjoying concerts and sports. Only 5,000 people filed in for the first concert at the downtown arena in over a year. Coupled with that, Blue Bomber attendance is down slightly from the first three games of the 2019 season, meaning some Manitobans are taking their time when it comes to participating in large gatherings. We all feel kind of strange because we've been away for so long, you know, and then suddenly you all get together in a big group and you're close together. So it's a bit strange because we've been be so far apart and now we say oh it's okay to be together again it's exciting for me i'm sure a lot of people are uh, struggling with some stuff but uh, i like being around people so i'm pretty excited about it for sure the winnipeg symphony orchestra is back playing in front of an audience after more than a year of playing for virtual crowds looking very much forward to feel the audience behind me i also i also very much look forward to um feel how the orchestra responses to playing for actual uh, um, leaving people. Something missed by the entire entertainment industry. This wonderful uh, eagerness you see in the eyes and faces and the sound of applause and the sound of silence when something is really a gripping happening. We miss that. Merrick Cash, Global News. So I have a concert coming up in the spring that I'm looking forward to, but I have wondered if I'm spending the money and what will come of it, like if it will happen. And then I had tickets from, would it be two years ago? No, no, last fall. And of course that concert got put off and I don't even know what the case is with those. And so when you're booking things right now, are you still fighting to get stuff back from say either your airline or from your 
Ticketmaster or what have you, Greg, you know, and so then it makes it really hard to plan going forward. So I want to go out and do these things. And so say something's happening Sunday, like you say, the Jets game. Well, I'm comfortable. I'll get to go to that. Sure. But if I'm planning something several months away, that becomes much harder right now. Well, especially if it's expensive and it's an outlay of cash or part of your credit limit on your credit card. Say you're going to a big concert and you're putting out three, four, five hundred bucks for tickets for a group of you. Now that's tied up, regardless of whether that event goes on without uh, a hitch or or somehow cancelled, or uh, even worse, if they postpone it because we know what. Ticketmaster likes to do with postponements. Typically, that means you are stuck with those tickets until the event takes place. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb were asking you to tell us about the phrases, the words that get your hackles up, that drive you nuts, that get you angry. For a chance to win, $20 pizza for Santa Lucia, $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza, and uh, Loren... Why don't you start us off here? I see you've harvested harvested some texts. I have, but I also want to go to one that just came in from Arthur because we don't always agree with Arthur, and I say me and Arthur. I don't always agree or Arthur and me. But he he says the phrase that gets his hackles up from the prime minister who claims to have a, quote, clear mandate to govern when 63% of the votes <laughs> cast were against him. And I have to say, Monday night as I was sitting there waiting for him to come out, I was like, don't say clear mandate, man. Don't say clear mandate. <laughs> do not say clear mandate. And then he said it, and I was like, ugh. Dude, I feel like we have a different interpretation of this phrase. <laughs> That's it. Good one, Arthur. Uh, Greg, what about um, whatever? Yeah. Somebody said when I tell something <laughs> to me and they say, uh, whatever, back to me. And then uh, they say, uh, how about the saying, no worries? <laughs> I wasn't worried. That, that, did that come from Australia? I want to say no worries comes from down under. Really? I believe. Be no worries, mate, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So we can blame Crocodile Dundee for that one, I think. So that would, that I would, I would lump that in with a no problem. If you have a problem with no problem, then you probably also don't like no worries, right? Yes. No, yeah. No, not a fond, not fond of it. Okay. Another one listener says, I remember when all the higher ups started saying going forward and uh, moving forward. Uh, I was at a conference around 06, 07. We had a session with someone from head office, and I swear he said going forward or moving forward like 50 to 60 times in a one hour seminar. He used it every second or third sentence. It was absolutely ridiculous and infuriating. Uh, I'm guilty of using that one. Really? Yes. Yes. What's, I am. what's the I alternative confess. there? Is it, Not sure. Is it supposed to be, you know, well, maybe next time around? Or... Henceforth? Shall we yeah, bring like, henceforth back? We I should. That's a whole other conversation, the office phrases. Okay, Lamramo, well, let's take this one offline. Ugh. But I'm online with you right now, so how about we deal with it right now? <laughs> uh, co- yeah, corporate jargon is the worst. <laughs> 204-780-6868, the phrases that get your hackles up for a chance to win that $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. Small town salute. This morning we are heading north to Snow Lake, Manitoba. Christmas Eve 1949, the Snow Lake Hotel opened its doors for business. Serving gold miners, moonshiners, and rail riders from all over the world. This town was built by the adventurous. This town was built by men and women of character. Cheers to all those who came before us. Cheers to all those that are here today. Cheers to all those that will come after us. The Golden 49ers 
Golden 49er is in honor of them. To luck, to health, to good times ahead. Golden 49er. I didn't believe it. I figured they were both <laughs> wow. Okay, so that was Gerard Lamontagne, clearly with a, a few others at the Snow Lake Motor Inn. He is the owner of a bar and hotel. And so for those who don't know, Snow Lake is 697 kilometers north from Portage, Maine. You'd get there via Highway 6, and it's in the gold mining community of Snow Lake. That's where the Snow Lake Motor Inn is. So yesterday, they unveiled a handheld attraction they hope will bring people to their corner of the world. It, you heard him call it the Golden 49er. Well, it's a solid gold shot glass. Yes, you heard that right, solid gold. I go to Winnipeg about every four to six weeks to pick up consumables for the bar, restaurant, and motel. I was just thinking about a, a project that I could come up with, something in gold and that we could use in the bar to promote, and golden shot glass it was. I was like, yeah, that sounds doable, and I went and saw my... Uh, my jeweler, Roger Watson, he does all our stuff. And I pitched the project to him, and he was like, I'd love to be a part of it. And I had a meeting with my wife, Roxanne, and our two main girls, Samurai and Shan. And we discussed, you know, how we would do something like this without, you know, worries of theft, etc. So we came up with some procedure and policy, and we got the idea then of getting a bunch of hometown gold to build it. And that was basically it. I've had the glass for a few months now. We were just waiting for a break to, you know, when things loosened up a bit to do the debut. And here we are. I want to go on the record as saying this is a brilliant idea. This is fabulous. I am so disappointed. I never thought about something like this back in my restaurant days. La Montagne uh, visited with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham on the news yesterday. And, of course, we want to know... How much is this magnificent vessel worth? The full build, there's a little over two ounces of gold in it, uh, diamond ruby sapphire in our logo on the front, and then the logo on the back, and the build cost, we're right about $10,000, just a little bit north of it. And then- uh, anyone else in the world got a solid gold shot glass? There there are a couple that I've found, no, but there, there was no bar on the planet that has a solid gold shot glass that any customer can drink out of. But I did find one that Tiffany's built, uh, Tiffany's of New York, but it was actually very plain. It was basically just a few rings piled on top of each other. And then I found uh, one that an old uh, gold miner pounded out, you know, with just a little hammer, but it was more like you know, sort of a half shot glass size type thing. This, this that I know of, and I've done a lot of research, uh, there's not another one on the planet and definitely not another one in a bar. All right. So we've made our seven hour or so journey to Snow Lake. Loren, what are you having in that shot glass? Ooh, tequila. Tequila. Brett? Um, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like a I like a good Burt Reynolds. Good Burt Reynolds. Well, I'm driving and paying. Let's order that shot. How much is it going to cost? Okay, the price of the shot from the Golden 49er is the price of the shot itself. So, say a a regular premium is 650, but you can shoot water, Coca-Cola, anything you please. And then we have a uh, uh, $10 that goes to our waitresses. 
Okay, so that he's saying it's the cost of the shot plus ten dollars for the waitresses. Is that right, Greg? Correct. So sixteen bucks, seventeen bucks, twelve bucks if you're ordering Coke, maybe. If you want uh, water, then it's ten bucks. Yeah. yeah. So that goes to the waitresses. And you know what's neat about this is that at face value, it seems like you know this is a really great business initiative, which it is. But it's also kind of got an emotional side to it. Uh, Gerard Lamontagne says that extra ten dollars. Well, here here's why it's going towards the servers. At $10, that goes to our waitresses. Just because it's been a, that was part of the idea of the promotion. Uh, as everyone knows, it's been a rough year and a half on the hospitality hospitality industry. So we're just trying to liven things up and come up with a way to bring bring more people in the door and and ideally more tourists to the to the community, which everyone will benefit from. We always like to know why people love the community in which they live and how things are going economically. So, Gerard? We're, we're in a boom town right now. and we're, we're in a very good place economically in Canada. Uh, Hud Bay, the mining company, has an incredible mine. There's, I think, over 500 employees just at the mine itself right now, and that's going to increase as they go into the other ore zones and the gold zones. And there's a lot of other mining companies that are doing work around the community also on other projects. Uh, Snow Lake Lithium. Things are looking great in Snow Lake. If it hadn't have been for COVID, this year would have been our, our grandest year since 10 years of business. So for those just joining in, that's Gerard LaMontagne. He's in Snow Lake Inn. There's a hotel. They've got a gold, solid gold, gold shot glass. You can drink out whatever you want out of it. Money goes towards waitresses. But when he made that initial shot at the start of this segment, you could hear this voice from the first toast that was made from that solid gold shot glass. And it went something like... To luck, to health, to good times ahead. Golden 49er. I didn't believe it. I figured they were both... <laughs> so no? gerard who is that skeptical guy <laughs> that's uh dear old dad he's 92 he, he he's the oldest guy in town now which which is a belt he wears with pride we were writing our list for how we were going to debut the 49er and we all agreed there was no one no one but him to take the first shot and i had a lot of people ask me to get a shot of it before that but we held out and dad was the guy The Golden 49er. Forget getting screeched in Newfoundland taking a shot out of a $10,000 golden shot glass in Snow Lake. Sounds fantastic, GMAC. Sure does. I think it's worth the trip. You know, they talk about it's worth the trip to Steinbach. This This might be something we have to contemplate. Let's put that online with the bosses. Moving forward, we would like to see more trips here to with throw no worries, no problem going forward, backwards. And yeah, forth. yeah. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. At 204-780-6868 for a $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. What are the phrases that get your hackles up? This one actually came in via email to brett at cjob.com from somebody saying, you hear this one in the movies a lot. Now that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I like that. Do you People really? like that? Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Depends I, how you say it. Yeah, I... I I th- it's, it's it's used too much. I'll say that. I think it's one of those one of those lines that gets used too much. It's kind of like mm-hmm. uh, when "It's All Good" became popular. I think it actually even was the slogan for the NBA for a time. That drove me insane. I just think that there are certain catchphrases that get 
um, overused. Yeah, and then it's sort of like Jeff Brown was saying, like just just let it go. Like a hundred percent, people say that a lot now. I've noticed you, you say something, they go a hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I know that means they're agreeing with you, but I feel like that's made the rounds lately. Well, and it's it's an emoji too, right? So the one hundred emoji, right. the one hundred percent emoji, yeah. So hundred percent, I'm a hundred percent correct. Like I doubt it, you know. <laughs> well, hey, let's one hundred percent take you back to June seventh, Bell Center, Montreal, Quebec. Into the middle for Appleton, back for Connor across the line, feeds it far side, moving in Stanley, a shot he scores. Logan Stanley off the bench with a one-timer. He's got two in the period, and we're tied at two. Oh, yeah. Not too much longer after that goal, the Winnipeg Jets would fall 3-2 in overtime. That was their last goal, their final goal of the 2021 playoffs. The Jets would, of course, lose in a four-game sweep to the Canadiens, who would eventually make their way to the Stanley Cup final. The road to redemption begins to today for the Jets and Kelly Moore is here to preview main training camp which sees players hit the ice at 10 o'clock this morning. Kelly, good morning. And good morning. Uh, I think, you know, Paul Edmonds has got to rev it up a little bit. It's just not enough passion and excitement there. <laughs> yeah, to put me to sleep there, actually. Uh, I use the word redemption as the Jets enter the 2021-22 season. There have been several moves made by general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff, which are creating expectations for this talent-laden club, Kel. Yeah, they uh, certainly have addressed what was uh, thought of by many uh, as a glaring need for the organization on the blue line. And so when you compare what they had in that June 7th game uh, to what they will have, as long as everybody stays healthy uh, in about three weeks from now on October 13th in Anaheim, and again, Starting today, we'll, we'll see what kind of defense pairings are being considered by the coaching staff. Uh, but I've written down Josh Morrissey and Nate Schmidt, Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk and Logan Stanley and Dylan DeMello uh, with Nathan Beaulieu as the seventh defenseman, which I think is uh, a position that probably uh, better suits uh, what he can bring to the hockey club. Uh, but that's uh, exponentially an upgrade from what they had last season. So you mentioned several names there. That's for defense. Uh, which players are you taking looking looking closely? Let's start this again. Which players are you taking the closest look at? Maybe uh, in forward as well, Kelly, but just overall, is there a top three you're looking to see what they do in camp? Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they forge the line combinations. I know there is a groundswell of support both from the media and from fans for Nikolai Ehlers uh, to get more than the 16 to 17 minutes of ice time that he gets. But, you know, he's kind of thrived under those conditions. So uh, I, I think there might be some experimentation how he handles maybe a, a slightly heavier workload. But where the competition is going to be for this particular training camp, uh, because the defense is set, we know the goaltending tandem is going to be Connor Hellebuck and Eric Comrie. Uh, so that right wing position alongside Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry on the third line, uh, created by the loss of Mason Appleton to the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft. And then the entire fourth line with Matthew Perot, Nate Thompson, and Trevor Lewis all leaving the organization via free agency. So that is wide open. Now they did sign 
Riley Nash in the offseason. He is seen as a very, uh, very much a defensive shutdown type forward that won't give you a whole lot of offense. And he did play for Paul Maurice when he was in the early stages of his career in Carolina. You have Christian Veselainen. Uh, and Jansen Harkins, who, you know, if, if you go back a year ago, guys, Jansen Harkins was coming off of that great breakthrough year uh, in the pandemic short in 2019-20 season. He had a phenomenal first scrimmage of training camp, and then he got hurt. And it just seemed like he just could not catch up from that point on. But I think, uh, you know, Jansen Harkins is definitely in the conversations for, for one of those fourth-line positions. Uh, you know, you've got Riley Nash. Uh, you certainly have Dominic Toninato, who didn't see a lot of action until late in the year, but did score that winning goal, or at least was credited with it, uh, in Game 1 of the Edmonton series. Uh, and I think Veselainen's going to get a long, hard look playing the right side of that third line. And then David Gustafson is another name that uh, uh, certainly uh, fans should uh, pay attention to. And, of course, <laughs> everyone wants Cole Perfetti uh, to uh, to make this hockey club, but uh, we'll see if that's in the best long-range interest for that. Uh, for sure, he's going to play for the Winnipeg Jets. I just don't know if it'll be this year. So the first preseason game, Sunday night versus Ottawa, the Jets are versing Ottawa, Kelly. They're not wasting any time getting into game action. No, and it it's always that way, Hitman. Uh, usually they'll have the medicals on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Uh, they'll have about two or three days of practice, and then it's right into the preseason. They're only going to play six games this year. Uh, normally they've played seven. And Paul Maurice uh, went on record. He, we had uh, an availability with him last Thursday. And he basically said he's going to use his veterans sparingly in the preseason. They will scrimmage probably more than normal during training camp. But he wants to see a lot of these younger guys uh, who have uh, uh, you know been kind of on the periphery he wants to see what they can do uh, in preseason like for instance for Veselainen maybe on the power play Harkins maybe on the penalty kill because you know those guys in the fourth line have to play some special teams uh, and of course I, I think he's going to try to give Eric Comrie a fair amount of playing time too because once the regular season starts uh, his starts uh, will probably be uh, uh, distanced quite a bit uh, because uh, of uh, Connor Hellebuck's ability to be able to play a lot. All right, Kelly, we got to let you run. Thanks for this, and uh, we'll look forward to your training camp reports and all the other Jets-centered content throughout the day leading up until Sunday's first preseason game. Thanks, Kel. Yeah, you bet, Greg. I just want to toss in real quick. Fans can come out to Bell MTS Iceplex. Uh, they will be allowed inside the rinks, but seating's limited, about 250 per each of the three rinks they're going to be using starting at 10 o'clock. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, reminder that at 9.15, we're giving away that Santa Lucia pizza gift card based on your text messages and the phrases that get your back up. The trigger phrases. So not necessarily phrases that you just find irritating, but ones that where it feels like, whoa, them's fighting words. And uh, Diane with a good one. She says she can't stand the word transparent, especially when used by politicians. It's overused. And if things were actually transparent, say at 510 Main Street, we wouldn't have to have so many studies done by consultants to tell us what the citizens of Winnipeg knew in the first place. Misappropriation of funds. So Diane coming out with some fighting words. Diane maybe should be running for city council. She's got her ducks in a row on that one. 
204-780-6868. Tell us about the phrases that get your back up for a chance to win that prize just after 9.15. And in our next segment, reminder, Backyard Bullseye with Winnipeg Vinyl Fencing. Be ready to call 204-780-6868 when you hear the cue to call. Now, about two hours ago, we told you about an unusual move made in Clark County, Nevada. Yeah, so Clark County is essentially Las Vegas, and in that city of 2.3 million people, more than 6,600 individuals have died of COVID-19 since the start of the pandemic. With a push to get more people vaccinated, the county commission there decided to declare misinformation a public health crisis of its own. Clark County commissioners voted in favor of declaring health misinformation a public health crisis. This is not an intent in any way to take away anybody's freedom. Y'all can come down here every single public comment for from now until eternity, and we're not going to limit your, your free speech ability here or anywhere else. Uh, but I think it's important for this board to take a stand against misinformation and continue the work that we've been doing. The motion passed five to two. So, of course, we've been talking about the spread of misinformation for months now, maybe years, depending on which argument it pertains to, how to fight it, how to recognize it, how to call it out, what to do about it. I think it's safe to say it's a growing concern in many circles, including within the medical community. So this week, Timothy Caulfield, who's a University of Alberta law professor and health policy expert, he was actually asked to speak at a national conference for general surgeons, medical professionals who aren't just trying to stop the spread of covid but stop the spread of misinformation. So Timothy Caulfield is our guest this morning. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for taking the time. I want to ask you first, we just played that clip out of Nevada, uh, Las Vegas, taking that stand that it's a public health crisis misinformation. What's your thoughts on a government body taking a stand like that? I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, it's it's 100% correct. Misinformation, it's killing people. There's no doubt about it. You heard Biden say that. You've heard the World Health Organization say that. It sounds like hyperbole, right? It sounds like people are exaggerating, but it's not. Misinformation is absolutely killing people. In fact, I think uh, misinformation, the recognition that misinformation is doing great harm is going to be one of the great legacies, the unfortunate legacies of the pandemic. So I'd like to see regulators take the, this, this kind of stand, and, and I think it needs to happen at the national level, the, the regional level, and, and the municipal level, as we saw in, in Vegas. You've been talking about this for years. Is there a way to gauge just how bad of a problem misinformation is? Because it was a problem before the pandemic started. Uh, you're right. I mean, I've been fighting misinformation for decades, um, but it really has ramped up. It's become more ideological. Um, it's become much more targeted. Um, it's become much more about, about money. Uh, and, and there is a way to, to, to measure this. Look, there have been a lot of studies that have actually tried to quantify the damage that misinformation has done in the context of, of vaccines, for example. But there was an interesting study that came out in late August that, that mapped the increase in misinformation as a result of the Delta. And listen to this, over 400% increase in misinformation about vaccines don't work over 150% increase in misinformation circulating in pop culture about the microchip BS, you know, that, that, that misinformation. Over 75% increase in misinformation about the connection between vaccines and infertility and miscarriages. So, you know, despite, you know, efforts to stop misinformation, it, it continues to, to rise. 
So obviously the medical community is directly impacted in several ways in my mind, Timothy. First of all, the fact that we are having to cancel all sorts of elective surgeries, uh, other life-saving surgeries and procedures outside of COVID-19, that's on one front, that's got to be devastating for those that have dedicated their lives to helping people get better. And then some doctors are taking to social media to combat this because, you know, they don't have anything better to do and they don't have other things on their plate. Yeah, it's, you know, it's when I have, I have the opportunity to speak to the, the medical community a lot and you can, you can absolutely hear the frustration. You can hear the heartbreak, you guys, uh, that doctors have. And my wife is a physician, by the way. She's a family physician, and, and you know, she deals with misinformation all day long. And it's not like these people don't have better things to do, right? Um, so you have a, a really interesting challenge from, the, I think, the, regula- the regulators for physicians, so the College of Physicians and Surgeons. I think they have to take stronger stands against their, the members, those MDs that are spreading misinformation. There was an interesting a meeting in Alberta just uh, a couple days ago where they found that 97% of Alberta doctors support vaccines, support mandates, support passports, support the public health measures. 3% are more skeptical, and it's that 3% that can do real, real harm. What do we say, though, here? Because skepticism's not a bad thing. Being analytical is not a bad thing. Taking a look at something and saying, I'm going to find a third, fourth, fifth source or a second opinion, you know, when it comes to a medical diagnosis. None of those are bad things. And so what's the answer to the person who keeps going down the road to look for the opposite? Because we want to raise people to be critical thinkers, right, Timothy? But you also need to, where's the line, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, that, that's a great point. There, there's a very interesting study that, again, came out just recently that found that just asking people to trust experts isn't what you want to do, right? Because that can actually lead people to believe misinformation because they'll find someone that speaks to them, right, that speaks their values, and they'll just believe them, right? And that can actually result in an increase in the acceptance of misinformation. What you want to teach is good critical thinking skills, right? You want to teach people how to be able to, to discern good information from, from bunk. Uh, so it's going to credible sources. It's understanding how science works. It's, it's understanding that you have to think about the body of evidence, not just one study. You have to uh, teach what, what is a good, a good study and what's a, a weak study. All of those skills can make a real difference. But that sounds tough, but it's not. In fact, there's actually really interesting research that suggests if you can just nudge people to pause for just a moment, guys, just take a beat, they're less likely to believe misinformation, less likely to spread misinformation. Most people want to be accurate. They don't have a nefarious agenda to spread misinformation. So if you can just nudge people to take a pause and, you know, consider that headline, does, does that seem real? You can slow the spread of misinformation. I know it sounds ridiculously simple, but there's actually been several studies to back that up. Should people be thinking about, like, if they're really curious about it, should they take a course? Like, is that what we need, to take a course on how to suss out misinformation? Yeah, I love that idea. In fact, uh, the University of Alberta actually has a free critical thinking uh, course that anyone can take. Easy to find, Google University of Alberta critical thinking course. Anyone can take it. Um, So I love that idea. (laughs) I love that idea. I also think critical thinking has to be taught throughout the education process. I'm talking kindergarten right through university. And and those skills should be available for anyone to, to access. So I absolutely do think we need to teach that. But, but there's been really interesting research that suggests that, you know, you don't necessarily have to go that far. It's really just teaching those very basic things about fact-checking, about, you know, what are other sources saying, you know, more credible sources saying about this story. Doing those little things can slow the spread. The other thing we have to recognize, you guys, and you know this, 
we're not going to change the minds of those hardcore deniers, right? Those people that have really embraced conspiracy theories. Uh, thankfully, though, that's a relatively small number. What we want to do is make you know get to the the, the majority of Canadians that that really do that really do want to be accurate. Timothy, we've got to let you run here, but would you agree? Medical researchers are some of the most critical people you'll ever meet. I mean, their entire world is based on creating and sussing out credibility. Uh, they are. And it's interesting because I think that that also leads to uh, a little bit of misinformation because people are watching science happen, right? They're watching, you know, the sausage being made and they don't like what they see because, look, the research community, I've been part of this community for decades. We argue all the time. <laughs> we argue all the time about little things, and the people see that, and they think that there's this great disagreement, but there's not, you guys. We, the, the research community agrees on the big stuff. Vaccines work. Go get vaccinated. Timothy Caulfield, joining us from the University of Alberta. He's a law professor and health policy expert. Thank you very much for joining us, Timothy. We appreciate the time, sir. Thanks for having me on. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, in our next segment, we are giving away the Santa Lucia Pizza $20 gift certificate based on the phrases, the words that make your blood boil, the ones that get your back up, that make you want to put up your dukes. Like Shannon says, the most annoying phrase for me is quite simply, K, when I thoughtfully craft a text message and someone, (coughs) my husband, answers back with K, (laughs) at least they can, oh, in front of that K. Is that a new thing? Because one of my buddies does KK. Yeah. Like he's signing up as always. His name is Kathy Kennedy. Almost. But is it more like, okay, okay. No, I, I looked it, it up. KK? There's there's actually quite a bit of, there's extensive <laughs> articling done on this. No oh uh, It looks like KK just is sort of a pure acknowledgement. It's just meant to say, okay, I got your text. It's just shortened version of spelling out the word okay. So instead of typing okay, it's just KK as in okay, I got it. Because if you just type the letter K, that could seem sarcastic. It could be confrontational, even okay. Like if you type something long out and then your the reply that you get is simply the letters okay. Because I've done that. I, I but fully maybe you're am- busy. Like you don't have time to type a soliloquy back to them. Can't you just say okay? <laughs> well, I guess I don't know. I got no. I got no problem with KK. All right, saving a ton of time there. They're sort of attached to one another on the keyboard. Hey man, there's three whole letters they didn't have to text out there. Mm -hmm. Two, two versus five. Yeah, it's just a double tap. KK done. So next segment, we're giving that away. But in the meantime, uh, G Mac, I understand that you are not having an okay time as it pertains to uh, prospective travel plans. Oh, you know, (laughs) you talk about no problem as it associates with businesses and them thanking you or not thanking you for their business. I got a big uh, alarm bell here. WestJet planning to go to, hoping to go to San Diego for a wedding in November. So booked our flights weeks and weeks and weeks ago. It's a direct flight from Winnipeg to Palm Springs, and it's uh, only a couple hours drive from Palm Springs to San Diego. And then the return flight isn't really nearly as kind. There's a stop in Calgary on the way home, but it's not too bad. Uh, The point of booking the exact flights we did was to get a full day on November 11th in California and then get home late Monday night or early evening so that I could come to work on Tuesday. 
Well, I get an email from WestJet last week saying there's been a change to your itinerary. And so instead of leaving Winnipeg at 7 in the morning, we're not leaving until 4.30 in the afternoon. And instead of... You lose a whole day of a holiday and a day off. And then we don't get back to Winnipeg under this new proposal. Instead of about 8.30 in the evening... Not until 12.15 Tuesday morning. So now it means taking an extra day off work. You know, I'm not going to do that to you guys. Stroll in here after being up all day and uh, just basically come straight from the airport and try and get some work done. So this isn't going to work for me. They give me several options on the email. I can either accept the new proposed itinerary or I can cancel my flight altogether, or I can speak to someone. Well, I'd like some options, and I'd like to speak to someone, so I press that. I got an appointment for Saturday morning. This Saturday? Like yeah. for a week away? Like, Or five yeah, days like, or whenever you got this email? Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> At 8 o'clock Saturday morning, they're going to phone me back. I know I've heard stories of people being on the telephone waiting to speak to people at the airlines for hours upon hours while this just highlights uh, how bloody busy they are that's incredible i've never experienced anything like that normally you know maybe 45 minutes an hour uh, or the you know your phone and they go hey if you want to call back leave us your number and they'll call you back and and they'll tell you 232 minutes <laughs> that's no problem but uh, an appointment three days away absolutely bizarre yeah they, they that that is I mean, I guess in one hand, it's good that they are that busy because the travel industry got just hammered. But A, the the scheduling changes, schedule changes with airlines that they've always been a pain for customers, right? Because there's not much you can do about it. If the airline changes the schedule, there's, you don't really have a recourse there unless you alter your dates. Did you, they at least give you the flexibility to, to, to make changes or is that what you need to discuss on Saturday? I want to I really discuss it because I was planning to take the boys with me, but based on what options there are, might have to leave them at home and then what happens if I cancel it and then try and rebook. You know, it, it's a lot of money at stake. And Loren, as you know, if you, you cancel it, they're offering my money back a full refund right now. But once you get to a certain date, and you cancel, you might be in a situation where you're just getting right. their travel dollars. Well, I was going to ask if, yeah, you'll get money back on your card right now versus a credit that you have to spend at a later date, right? I think that's how at it this point, work. yes. But so, I'm, but I, then I, my other question was, you don't technically you can't even go to the states right now, so you're getting close to making a pulling the trigger on this one anyway, are you not? Well, that's the thing. There's just so many things that are up in the air right now, and I have no problem eating. A couple of airfares, right? If so, if it, it, I was already in a situation where I was prepared to cancel the boys or all four of our flights because we'll go at another time eventually. But right now, with so many things up in the air, I'm, I'll be honest, it's 2500 bucks worth of airfare. I'm mm-hmm. not interested in having that money all tied up. And I, and I paid cash for it too. So, yeah. So- Another thing that's been raised, we talked about how busy the airlines are. Brett Ryan is texting in to say that, you know, he he knows people who waited three and a half hours on the phone only to be told the seat's not available or there's no options and that that he's wondering if it's a staffing issue because we've been hearing that in so many industries, right? That industry lost so much staff a year and a half ago. They had no choice but to lay people off. Maybe those people haven't come back. So it could be that they're busy, but it could also be that there's just not enough people to make things worth it it's worth we'll have to ask that question to the airline industries to see where they're at 
Cindy with a question for you, Greg. Cindy wants to know, is it still a direct flight? Because uh, she says we had our flight changed in December Mm -hmm. and it's no longer a direct flight. And we also lose a day. So based on my memory here, it is still the direct flight on the Thursday afternoon instead of the Thursday morning. But it's a more convoluted return uh, based on uh, what I've been provided here. Here, just let me double check real quick. Yeah, it's still... It's still uh, direct to Palm Springs on November the 11th, uh, but on the way home, it's just a little more convoluted and a longer layover in Calgary on the way back. Ah. It just messes everything up. That's the worst uh, when you got to do the layover on the way home. Like, I don't mind if I got to do a layover, I don't mind doing it on the way out, but if I can get a direct flight on the way back, that's better because you know, once the trip ends, you just want to like well, get on the plane, snap sure. your fingers, and be home, right? Tuesday afternoon. I had no air conditioning on my flight, and the flight was delayed, and you're sitting in there just sweating it out, just sweating in this tin can, and then I got the alert on my phone, your flight's been delayed. And I was like, yeah, I'm on the flight that's delayed. Like, I'm sitting here right now. Thanks, Thanks Tip. Sherlock. <laughs> uh, how long was the delay? Oh, we were supposed to leave at 1.30, and we left at 2.30, 2.20, but that, we were on the tarmac just sitting, which is the annoying part, and again, there was no AC, which is why oh. the flight was delayed, but they boarded us all on this plane, uh. 24 degrees. With Don't they do that? Don't they do that oh. so that they can say that they've uh, we're on actually, time, I yeah, think. that you're on yes. time, and you've and put, then we, pulled we, away from the were gate? Crying. Oh. I was sweating. I had my face. I was taking turns with the guys next to me as we put our face up to the air, like turning it on and trying to let it... That slow trickle of air, like 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 as if we were in a movie where you're drowning and you're underwater, but you have that pocket of air you keep coming up to. That's what we were doing on this flight with the with the small breath of air that was coming out of this filter. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're going to give away some pizza in a moment, but just a quick uh, clarifier on what we were talking about traveling to the U.S., Greg. Yeah, that's right. I I know I can absolutely fly to the United States without the border restrictions, the land border restrictions being lifted, but it requires uh, very expensive COVID, negative COVID testing on the way there and on the way back. It's uh, for a family of four, almost uh, cost prohibitive. We're looking at anywhere from 12 to 1600 bucks. We are asking you to tell us the phrases that put you, put your back up, that get your hackles up, the ones that make you your blood boil like you're about to throw down. And uh, Loren Corinne's got a pretty good one here. Corinne. Say that again. Is it Corinne or Corinne? I want Corinne, Corinne to clarify this for me. Isla Lauren Loren, I'm just asking. Uh, I don't know, but we have two minutes, so let's go. <laughs> oh, you don't like that. Okay. The phrase that sends me over the edge is just snap out of it. Imagine dealing with emotional situations and your loved ones respond that way. It almost sends me to a walk-in clinic. <laughs> okay. Darlene is kind of up your alley, Greg. Yeah. Are you guys talking about uh, sayings that drive us crazy? If you are, I have one that drives me crazy. It's the ever popular no worries. There seems to be an epidemic with its use anywhere where people serve the public. It's used quite a bit. I could be buying a coffee or buying groceries or getting served in a restaurant and I say thank you and the response is no worries. I'm not worried. I'm just being courteous and I never was worried. Please just respond with you're welcome or in the United States when you say thank you and they go "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And then finally, Jan is our winner. Jan is the winner. The phrase I detest, Jan writes, you have to agree with me. My husband will say this, but as soon as the words you have to come out, I bristle. Even if I had planned to agree with him, I no longer will. 
Uh, so I, I love that. And then she threw in, for just as a bonus, also the phrase, you know what I mean. No, I don't. That's why I asked. There are more, but these two are the worst. <laughs> but, Jen, I can is. relate to that because I used to have somebody who would say, uh, the thing you got to understand. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.